Thank you, Connie, for that beautiful prelude to warm us up this morning. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching on Facebook. We're blessed that you are a part of our service and hope that our music and singing is uplifting, our Bible study is revealing, and our prayers impactful. We also hope that God's love and presence is felt and fills you up. On the church calendar, this is the first Sunday after Epiphany, and on this Sunday, many Christians celebrate Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan. On to some of the announcements. Uh, there's a lot of things happening here at First Church. Please look over the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. A few to note, in particular, the annual meeting next Sunday, January 17th, after the service, uh, will be held to elect officers, hear reports from the trustees, the treasurer, and the committees, and to approve the proposed 2020 budget. During the annual meeting, there will be no Sunday school or confirmation. Child care will be available in the ministry center. Sunday school students can go to the ministry center or stay with their parents for the meeting. Confirmation students are asked to attend the annual meeting. The annual report for 2020 is complete, and copies are in the front pews, at the doors, and at the info center. You are invited to take one and, and uh, preview it prior to next week's annual meeting. Please call the church office if you'd like a copy via uh, mail or have any questions. Next, we have an anniversary. Uh, Mr. John Hoagie and Ann, uh, Joanne Hoagie are celebrating 68 years of marriage on Saturday, the 16th. Happy anniversary to you. And next, uh, Pastor Joel has something to share with us. Thanks, Brian. Uh, today, I want to talk, you, talk with you for a few minutes about a new ministry we have going on here at First Church, and that's called Right Now Media. Um, some of this may be something that's familiar to, to some of you. I know uh, it's, it's fairly well known, but it's something we are beginning to offer here at First Church starting today. And so I want to take a few minutes and tell you a little bit about it. Uh, right Now Media is, is an online digital resource for Bible studies, um, mater- Bible study materials, videos, and other things. It's a great resource, and, and the most wonderful thing about it is it's free for you to use. And so uh, what we want you to do is be able to sign up for free and be able to access these Bible, Bible study materials to use them on your own time, as well as maybe we can talk about forming some small groups to, to study God's Word together. One of the things that I've learned over this past year with the pandemic and kind of the different restrictions that we had to go through as a church is, is how important it is for us to continue to be discipled, to continue to study God's Word outside of the walls of this church, right? There was a long time last spring when we were not able to meet together here physically. We chose to, to meet, uh, to worship the Lord uh, remotely through the radio, through Facebook. And, uh, and, and so a lot of what we normally do is kind of disrupted. Well, right now media can step in and help us to fill that void, fill that gap, and, and enable us to study God's Word both together in person in small groups, but also as an individual resource for devotions and discipleship and Bible study at home. And so next week at the annual meeting, I'm going to give a little bit of a kind of a live demonstration of it. We're going to pull the projector out and have the screen set up here, and I'll be able to kind of show you a little bit about how it works and what's available. Uh, but, but we wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up today so that you can get on and maybe play around with it and, and explore a little bit. And, and so that when we come to the annual meeting next week, you have a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about and how you can use it. 
So I want to share a few things this morning about how you can sign up and be prepared uh, and, and even starting today, dig into God's word uh, with the resources that are available there. Uh, later this morning, uh, a lot of you in the church uh, who have, we have your email on file, will be receiving an invitation directly in your email to sign up from Right Now Media. Now the email may be coming, will be coming from Right Now Media, so you may need to check your junk mail folder, your spam box, and, and uh, it may not show up directly in your inbox. But I encourage you to look out for that, click the link, and, and sign up and begin exploring that right away. There's other ways for you to sign up as well. Um, you can go on our Facebook page this morning. I put a post on there with a link that you can you can connect directly uh, from our Facebook page to Right Now Media and create an account. Um, here's the really cool thing about this, though. Um, so this is a service that we have signed up for as a church, right? And and we as a church are are paying so that our church members and our community can can sign up and use these resources. And when I talked to them about signing up, I told them about our radio ministry and now with Facebook Live. And I said, we're reaching a lot of people that are probably outside of our, our, our direct church community, people that don't have direct connection, direct ties to First Church. Now, what do we do about that? Is that okay if we give them codes to sign up as well? And they told us that they are more than happy to, to let that happen. In other words, if you're listening on the radio and you have never been to First Church, if you are watching on Facebook and you don't have any direct connections here, you can sign up and access these materials as well, which is a, a huge blessing. It's amazing. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And that's where these other ways to sign up come in handy. Um, you, can, you can sign up, like I said, on our Facebook page. You can also sign up using your phone. You can text uh, right now, FCNK. Again, that's right now, FCNK to the number 41-411. Um, you text that on your phone and you will receive a link back uh, to sign up. Um, and there's also a QR code if you're tech savvy and, and familiar with that. Um, there's a QR code. We actually have a picture frame over at our info center. You can just walk up with your smartphone or tablet, scan that code, and it'll take you right to the link. Um, so there's lots of ways to sign up and more information about that is on our church Facebook page. So if you missed that information and you want to sign up, if you're listening on the radio or watching on Facebook or if you're here in the sanctuary with us, um, you can go to our Facebook page, click the link and sign up for free there. Um, I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be a great resource for us as a church to dig into God's word together. And I'm going to show you some more about what that looks like next week at the annual meeting. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, to check that out. Uh, there are Bible study materials, and it's for all ages too. There's adult study materials, there's youth study materials, there's even a huge section of resources for kids that have uh, kids TV shows and kids Bible study lessons built right in there as well. And so I want to encourage you to check that, especially families, you know, use that for when your kids are at home and they want to have some screen time. This is a great resource. You can, you can put uh, kid-friendly gospel-centered shows up on the screen and, and be able to watch those together as a, as a family. Uh, you can, the right now media, like I said, it's free to access. Um, you can download an app on your phone. You can access it on your computer. You can download an app on your phone or tablet. There's even apps for smart TVs. If you have a Apple TV or Amazon Fire Stick or Roku, you can download the Right Now Media app and access the, the teachings right on your TV in your living room. So it's a great resource there as well. Like I said, we'll talk about this more next week, but I want to give you a heads up and really encourage you to check it out, sign up, explore it a little bit, so that next week at our annual meeting we can get a little bit more hands-on with it and then maybe answer some questions 
questions that you may have regarding the resources. But I think it's going to be great for us as a church. I'm really excited to see it start, and I I really encourage you to sign up and, and start using it right away. It's going to be great. It is taken from Psalm 42. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. When people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive thong. When my soul are your death, why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, or I will yet praise you with the joy of My soul is downcast within me, therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls too deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs His love. At night His song is with me. A prayer to God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me. Say to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Now we'll sing hymn 493, It Is Well With My Soul.
You can be seated and the children can come forward as well as the choir come forward for children's chat here. Still got some little ones coming here. How are you guys this morning? How are you? Good. Wait for everybody to kind of get up here. Come up here, Miss Lila. All right. Well, good morning to everyone. How are you all? Good. Do you guys remember what we celebrated maybe like about a week ago? Where maybe some of you got to stay up really, really late? It was after Christmas. It was New Year's. Oh, you got a Christmas tree in your room at home? Awesome. All right. Well, have you guys ever heard, maybe not, I don't know. Have you ever heard the word or the phrase, New Year, New Me? Or New Year, New You. And maybe some of your parents might have, or you might heard of maybe your aunts or uncles doing this, of New Year's resolutions. Some people like to put a New Year's resolution in place of, well, I want to maybe exercise more, or I want to go on a diet, or I maybe want to get a different job, maybe something that pays a little, little bit better. But what can we do this year? To actually get closer to God. What can we do to get closer to God this year? Praise him. Yeah, we can praise Jesus. What else can we do? There's some other wonderful. Huh? Go through Jesus? Yep, yep. We can pray and we pray through Jesus, his son. What about loving our neighbors? Do we maybe do that different? We could maybe love our neighbors? Yeah. yeah. How about maybe be kind to other people? Or be humble instead of like saying, oh, I did that. You know, maybe just let that go and like you can do something and you don't have to take the recognition for it. You can just say, you know what, Lord, I did that for you. I don't need the praise. We can maybe be a little bit more humble. All right. Well, there's there's all of these things that we can talk about and being new and changing and being closer to God. But there's one thing that God talks about in the Bible that is making us new as Christians. A lot of you guys get baptized when you're a baby. Some of you, your parents dedicate you. And they say, well, I want my child to make that own decision whenever they want to become a Christian. Then they can maybe get baptized then. What do we use when we baptize? What happens when we get baptized? Do you know, Jojo?
Yeah, yeah. So sometimes the pastor takes water and he'll dip it and then he'll make like a cross over your forehead. There's sometimes, and it's called immersion, when you you maybe dress in like a white t-shirt and maybe like white pants or something. Because white means purity as, as a Christian. White means new. And then sometimes the pastor stands behind you and then he holds your head and he holds your stomach. And then he might dip you down and bring you back up. That's another way to get baptized. But the water that's used is in the symbol is when you come back up out of the water or after they make that cross, it's called baptism because we're making a decision to be new in Christ. We're making a decision to leave all of our old bad ways and sinful ways behind and make good decisions like being kind to other people, being kind and loving our neighbors, maybe opening the door for somebody. Praying more often, singing praises. So when we dedicate our lives, we change our lives and we live for Christ. We do those things. Can you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be baptized in your name. To be baptized and live after your life. The life that you designed for us, a life that is good, a life of love. In your son Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir. I encourage you to be in prayer for those names and the people that are listed in your bulletin today under the prayers and concerns list. Um, continue to lift them up to the Lord because that's our, our duty and our, our privilege as believers uh, to, to lift up our prayers and concerns to the Lord. And especially for those that are dealing with difficult times, as we'll talk about again later in the service. Our offering today does go to support Agape Ministries and St. Mary's. If you are able to give towards that offering this morning, I encourage you to do so on your way out of the sanctuary. If you're listening on the radio or watching on Facebook, you can also give online by going to our website, firstchurchnk.org. This time, I invite you to stand with us as we continue to worship the Lord in song together. Our next hymn is number 43, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
seated. Before we go to the Lord in prayer together this morning, I think it's important for us to take a moment and and acknowledge and recognize what happened on Wednesday in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol building. I think it's important for us as Christians to condemn the acts of violence and the violent rhetoric that took place at the Capitol uh, that day. There's no excuse for what took place, no matter your political views or your preferred candidate in the election. The Capitol building was breached during a joint session of Congress. You know, this is the first time, the first time that our Capitol building has been breached in this way since the War of 1812, more than 200 years ago. During the Civil War, enemy armies never reached Washington, D.C., but on Wednesday, the battle flag of the Confederate Army was paraded through the halls of the Capitol building. These people, these insurrectionists, demanded the results of a free and fair election be overturned. Gallows were built outside of the building. Calls to commit violence against their vice president simply because he was executing his constitutional duty. In the end, and this is the most tragic part, five people lost their lives that day, including one member of the Capitol Police Force. We must be able to call this what it is. It's evil, it's inexcusable, and it's a tragedy. I know that there are many people in Washington, D.C. that day that did not participate in what happened at the Capitol building. There are many people across this country who support President Trump and are horrified by what happened on Wednesday. But it's hard to ignore the connection between the lies and conspiracy theories that the president and some of his supporters have pushed over the past couple months and the actions of these individuals. See, words matter, right? Truth matters. And conspiracy theories like QAnon and outright lies about the results of the election are dangerous. And we saw the consequences of them on Wednesday. Many people may have doubts about the integrity of the election, um, and it's had, but it's had its day in court more than 60 times, and no credible, credible evidence of voter fraud or foul play was found. The truth is that the election was fair and that Joe Biden will become the next president of the United States. You don't have to like the results. Many people don't. You don't have to like the results, but that is what happened. And continuing to push conspiracy theories and undermine the integrity of the election will only cause further harm. And I share this this morning because as Christians, we need to be people of truth. It's essential. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we better make sure that if we claim to be followers of Jesus, that we're making truth a priority because it matters. It's not a matter of convenience or expediency. Truth is truth is truth. And we need to push back against lies and the devastation they cause from whatever direction they come from, both within the church and society as a whole. One of the lies that many people have bought into, including those within the church, is that our hope lies in a particular political candidate or political party, that our candidate and our party must be in charge. I'm not, making a, I'm not talking about differences in economic policy or foreign affairs. There are policy issues that people can agree to disagree on. But our ultimate hope, our ultimate allegiance, does not lie in the White House, in Congress, or the Supreme Court. Our hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. We need to be Christians first, and then Republicans or Democrats or Independents second. As Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar, and give to God what is God's. Caesar does not get our ultimate allegiance. God does. But there's more than just the political reality there that we saw. There's a spiritual reality as well. Images broadcast all over the world showed Christian flags waving in that crowd, 
a giant Jesus saves banner hanging from the steps of the Capitol while it was being breached, a wooden cross being carried through the crowd. Church, that is not us. That is not us as Christians. That can't be us. And we need to be clear that following Jesus is not the same as following Trump or Biden or any other political candidate. It sat in my heart to see flags bearing the name of Jesus, our Savior, who laid himself down, who sacrificed himself being carried and mixed into that crowd. Crosses being carried while gallows were being built. People with the title pastor in front of their Twitter handles spouting baseless conspiracy theories while the insurrection was taking place. The world is watching us. The world is watching what's happening in Washington, D.C., but it's also watching how we as Christians, as the church, responds. And I pray that we can respond well. We, we should be praying for justice, that those who are guilty will be held responsible. And pray that we as Christians don't sacrifice our integrity or our witness for the gospel in exchange for political power or worldly gain. And of course, we need to pray for healing for those that were injured, for those comfort and grace and and peace for those who lost loved ones and prayer for healing for us as a nation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father God, we come to you with humble hearts. Lord, what's happening in our country is not easy. It is not easy to talk about. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in and through what is happening. I pray, Lord, that that you would be glorified, that you would bring good out of this. Lord, we don't stand here today. We don't gather here in this building on Sunday mornings to espouse a particular candidate or political party. We come here to worship you. Let that be our focus. Let that be what's important, most important to us. Lord, we may agree to disagree on, on a lot of different things, but let's, let's commit to making you Lord and Savior. Let's commit to making you the head of this church. And let's commit to making your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, help us to make that our priority in all that we do as Christians and all that we say and in all that we represent. May it point people to you. We pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. By Sharon Ford for our scripture reading now. Listening on the radio or on Facebook, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 77. I cried out to the Lord, to God, for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? 
Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let's pray together again. Father God, we thank you that we can open your word together now. And as we do so, I pray for your spirit to guide us. Give me words to speak. And I pray that you open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. We had family movie night last week. As we were flipping through Disney+, Plus, we came across the movie Inside Out. I don't know how many of you have seen this before. It's a really good one. It's a, it was one of JoJo's favorites a few years ago, and it's been a while since we've seen it. So we put it on and watched it together as a family. It's a story of a young girl named Riley whose world is turned upside down when her family moves across the country. And the interesting part about this, this movie is that the story is told mostly through the perspective of Riley's emotions. Joy, sadness, anger, disgust, and fear are, are, are the, these personified characters inside Riley's head. And it is through their actions and their decisions that, that have real-world consequences that the story is told. It's actually very well done. And I bring it up this morning because the opening scene has always confused me. It begins with Riley as a newborn baby being held by her parents for the first time. And the first emotion that appears in headquarters is joy. I don't know how many of you have been around newborn babies, but I would not characterize their first emotions in this world as joy. Right, I still remember the day that Josephine was born, or maybe I should say the days leading up to her birth in the hospital. Allie was almost a week past her due date, and the doctors decided to induce labor on a Friday evening. Things progressed rather slowly, or I should say not at all. By Saturday night, the doctors decided Allie needed an emergency C-section. And just after midnight, after 30 hours of labor, we welcomed Josephine into the world. And let me tell you, joy was not the first emotion that she experienced. Like most newborns, she came out screaming and crying. She made so much noise that I remember the doctor saying that she had a good pair of lungs in her. From the moment that she was born, excuse me, from the moment that we all are born, we know what it's like to cry. It's not just for newborns either. Almost three years old, almost three-year-olds are fantastic criers too. The other day, Miles was throwing a knockdown, drag-out fit, 
And while I asked, and when I finally asked him, do you even know what you're crying about? You know what he said? No. <laughs> no idea. But he was just going to the floor with, the, with his fit, his screaming and his crying. If that doesn't sum up parenting toddlers, I don't know what does. Let's be honest for a minute. Tears aren't just for newborns or toddlers, are they? We all experience grief, pain, both physical and emotional. We experience frustration and stress. And how do you, my question for you this morning is, how do you handle it? What do you do when those emotions are, are too much to handle? When was the last time that you cried, that you vented, or confronted those sorts of emotions? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that 2020 brought up a lot of that, a lot of those kinds of emotions, more so maybe than the average year. The past 12 months were hard on most people, either directly or indirectly. I know individuals, and some of them are in this room, who've lost loved ones to COVID-19. I know people who've lost jobs and whose lives have been disrupted one way or another over the past year. But grief, frustration, and stress come on a personal level too. Maybe you're dealing with something completely different, completely unrelated to our current events. I'd venture a guess that many of you are struggling with something that very few people are aware of. Your pain is real, whether it hurt is obvious to you or you do your best to hide it. I spoke last week about the importance of numbering your days. We looked at the prayer found in Psalm chapter, Psalm 90, verse 12, which says, Teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. We talked about it from two perspectives, right? First, the eternal perspective, asking God to help us to see our current circumstances, our lives in light of eternity, in light of that bigger picture perspective that only God has. And second, we ask God to help us look back on our past and remember the good, the bad, and know that God is working in all of it. Over the next few weeks, I want to take that discussion a step further. For many people, either in the present or in the past, there is a lot of hurt. It's one thing to remember it and acknowledge it. That's the first step. But what comes next? It's just as important. We're supposed to, what we're supposed to do with the grief, pain, frustration, or even doubt that we experience. That's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about lament. Now, that may not be a term that's familiar to a lot of you, but it is, it is very common in the Bible. Lament is a kind of prayer. It's, it's crying out to God. It's bringing our concerns, our grief, our pain to him and, and, and confronting those things in, in, a, in a form of prayer. I talked about my kids, in particular the story of Josephine's birth, for a specific reason. Because it reminds us that to cry is to be human. We all experience pain. We all experience hardship. All people, even from the moment we're born, know how to cry. It comes natural. But to lament is uniquely Christian. It's not just crying. It's crying with a purpose, right? It's crying towards God. Lament, as I said, is common throughout the Bible. We're going to be looking a lot at the Psalms over the next few weeks. Almost a third of the Psalms are categorized as lament. An entire book of the Bible is called Lamentations. And you see lament sprinkled throughout other parts of the Bible as well. And most laments have four parts to them, four movements, and that's what we're going to be talking about. They are an address to God, a complaint, a request, and a statement of trust or praise. And that's the pattern that we're going to follow. And today we're going to talk briefly about, about addressing God, bringing our, complaint, or bringing our concerns to him in prayer. 
And and that's important, right? It begins with addressing God. And I cannot overstate how important it is for God's people to cry out to him when they're hurting. We can't just sweep our emotions under the rug. Emotions are good. Even grief can be good, right? Just ask Charlie Brown. They're They're a part of the way that God made us. We are physical, rational, social, and emotional beings. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's how we respond to our emotions. It's what we do with them that makes a difference. People usually respond in two ways, right? Usually we, there, there are some that let their emotions control everything they do, right? They let their emotions take the driving wheel, take the steering wheel and drive, right? And, and, and that's, not, that's not a good way to respond. Emotions make great passengers, but terrible drivers, but there's another equally, equally disastrous response, and that is to just sweep our emotions, sweep our pain and our grief under the rug and ignore them. And that can be just as damaging. Bottling up your grief doesn't make your grief go away. It only gives it a chance to fester and to grow. You see, our grief can, can do one of two things. It can drive us towards God or away from him. And lament is the intentional decision to allow our grief, to allow our pain, to drive us toward God. And that's what we see here in Psalm 77. We're not going to, we're not going to go into it in great detail, but I want you to see the kind of the movement that the psalmist goes through in his, in, in this psalm. And you see five different things happening here. We see at the very beginning that he cries out to God from the very start. He doesn't let his pain create a wedge between him and God. He allows his pain to drive him to God. It says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. When you're struggling, when you're facing hard times, do you cry out to God? Do you allow your pain to, to, to drive you to the Lord or do, you, or do you run away from him? That's the question. And lament begins with allowing our pain, our hardship to drive us toward God and cry out to him. Lament is also about praying our struggles, being honest with God. In verse 4, he says, you kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. Right? Lament is not about sweeping our problems under the rug and ignoring them. It's about being honest and real with them, about bringing them to God. Right? God knows everything. We can't hide from him, so why try? Right? In Matthew 6, 7-8, through 8, Jesus talking about prayer says that, that we don't have to pray with a lot of words because we, when we pray... God already knows what we need before we ask him. That's true for our requests, but it's also true for the pain and the emotions that we're experiencing in our heart. God already knows, so there's no point in hiding from him. We also see here that, that the, the author of this psalm prays his questions. You see that six different questions between verses 7 and 9. Right? Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Will his unfailing love vanish forever? Right? These questions are very real for him in the midst of his pain and his suffering. In his book, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy, which, which is a very great resource for, uh, for what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, the author says, honestly praying this way recognizes that pain and suffering often create difficult emotions that are not based on truth, but they feel true nonetheless. Right? Is God's love going to vanish forever? Of course not. But when you're struggling, it feels like it, doesn't it? God doesn't abandon his people. We know that. God promises over and over again that he will never leave us nor forsake us. But when we're in the midst of it, we look around and wonder, where are you, God? Right? 
those feelings, those questions are, tr- are, are, are feel real. And so it's important that we're honest with God and bring them to him. Lament, this part of lament also reminds us that, that prayer turns us around. In verse 11, important word is repeated over and over again. We, it's the word we talked about last week, remember. See, lament is about trust. It's about a decision point. Will you let your pain and grief bring you to God, right? We can, we can rail against God. We can be angry at him. We can be, we can be sad and overcome with grief. But we need to allow those things to drive us towards God. And then there's that intentional decision to trust him. He says he will remember God's goodness. He will remember God's character and his faithfulness. Lament is full of grace when we move from honest questions to confident trust in God's word and his will. And the last thing we see here is the call to pray the gospel. The psalm closes with a reference to the Exodus event, right? Up to that point, that was God's greatest act of salvation. But as Christians, we have a different point of reference, don't we? We look back to the cross. It is there that God's justice and mercy come together. At the cross, God proved that his love for us is greater than any circumstance we face, even our own sin. That's why Paul can write in Romans 8, 38 through 39, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? That's the gospel. That's the hope we have, that no matter what circumstances we face, no matter how bad we feel, no matter how much grief has overcome us, We have confidence that God will not abandon us, that God's love is greater than any any situation we face and nothing, not even death itself can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, lament is a statement of faith. It's a statement of trust. Lament says this hurts. This is wrong. I don't understand, but I'm still going to trust you. Right. That's at the heart of lament. To not pray, prayerlessness, on the other hand, is an exercise of unbelief. To not pray when you're hurting is to believe that God is unable or unwilling to do something about it. To not pray during good times is to believe that you are the one responsible for your own success or joy and God had nothing to do with it. So prayerlessness is unbelief. But to go to the Lord in prayer, no matter what your situation is, is a statement of trust and faith in God. And we know that's true. We know that lament only makes sense if we believe three things about God. And I want to quickly share those things with you because this is the foundation of of what we're going to be talking about these next few weeks. One is that God is sovereign. Sovereignty is God's all-encompassing rule of the universe. He is the creator and sustainer of everything we see. Nothing, not, not physical things, not material things, not spiritual things, All authority and power is under, excuse me, I I said two different things there. Nothing is outside of God's control, including authorities and power, right? God is in charge. So God is sovereign, but he's also good, right? One of the common phrases repeated throughout the Old Testament is give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. You see, that's the, that's at the core there. God is both sovereign, He's in control, but He's also good. And it's those two things together that, that, that form the foundation of our trust and our hope. Because if God is sovereign and He's in control, then He can 
change things, right? That he will work things out according to his will, that there is nothing outside of his power. Even when it seems like chaos from our perspective, God is in control, but he's also good, which means he's going to work things out for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, right? We may not see the good from our perspective. We may not even see it in this lifetime, but we have the promise that he is good. And that leads to the last thing. He is faithful, He is sovereign, He is good, and He is faithful. His mercies are new each morning. We just sang about it already this morning. Great is God's faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. I want to to invite you to jot this note down to to read Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. Lamentations is five chapters of the prophet Jeremiah weeping and, and grieving over the destruction of Jerusalem. How it was their sin, that God, the sin of God's people that led to that destruction and led to that judgment. And at the very center, the very core of that book is Lamentations chapter 3, which is his hope that despite all of those things, God is still good. God is still faithful. And that's the promise that we can hold on to. And so what's my encouragement to you today? My encouragement is to keep on praying. No matter what you're going through, the good, the bad, or anything in between, keep on praying. Like the persistent widow and the the unjust judge, keep bringing your concerns to God. You see, the, the, the crux of that parable is, is the comparison is not that God is an unjust judge. The, the point of the parable is that, that if an unjust judge gives in to the widow's request because she was persistent, how much more will a just, perfectly just, perfectly loving, perfectly good God do what's right? That's the, the core of that parable there. So keep on praying. Keep on bringing your concerns, bringing your, your fears, bringing your pain to God because he cares and knows. See, that's the invitation of Matthew 11. Jesus tells, tells his disciples, tells the crowd there, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the promise of God right there. That we can come and lay our burdens down at his feet, and he will give us rest for our souls. That's the invitation of lament. Bring your concerns to God, and you will find rest peace. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are gentle, that you are lowly, that you are good, and that, and that life is hard. But you give us hope. You give us promises in the midst of that, that even though we face difficulties, even though we face pain and hardship, you are good. You are sovereign and you are faithful. And you invite us, Lord, not to ignore our emotions, You invite us not to let our emotions control our actions or attitudes, but to bring our emotions to you. Bring those fears, the grief, the pain, and lay them at the foot of your cross. Help us to do that this day. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we stand and and close our service today, we are going to sing hymn number 428, I Need Thee Every Hour. Let's sing the first verse of that song.
God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You may go in peace.